welcome to In the Queue. I am your host, Andrew, and I dearly miss my Scottish Terrier, purebred Tory. All the low these many years back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that, man. It's true. It's true. Uh, I'm Phil. She was the best. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were done there. Um, <laughs> I'm Phil, your other co-host, and I like soup and snow peas <laughs> and talking and, and not, not talking. talking. <laughs> yeah. uh, in case you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, we're talking about uh, this week's listener's request, which is Best in Show, mm. the Christopher Guest film from 2000. Is that That's right? That's correct. That is correct. Um our guest this week who recommended this film to us is Amy. Say hi, Amy. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, thanks for being on and thanks for recommending this film. But before we get to talking about it, we're just going to tell you a little bit about how to find us online. You can find us on our website, which is www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. Mm-hmm. And there you can find all of our shows posted as well as the occasional additional blog posts that we'll put up uh, that will have something to do with the films or our filmic thoughts. Mm. Uh, in addition, you can recommend films on our blog and we will uh, have you on the show to talk about them with us. Yeah, just uh, like, a lot of fun. like we're about to do in a few minutes. Just like we're about to do in a few minutes. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and do the same thing. You can leave us a comment on Facebook and uh, and recommend a film. You can find us there at In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And uh, we also post a lot of additional material on Facebook, supplemental material, sometimes humorous, sometimes uh, sort of opening up new avenues in your appreciation of the film. Wow, well said. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's It's a good resource for the film lover in all of us. Oh, we got to copyright that. <laughs> uh, finally, you can find us on iTunes. If you go to iTunes and search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, you can find us and you can subscribe to our podcast and then have it delivered directly to you whenever, wherever, as Shakira would say. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> So, uh, once again, we're going to be talking today about Best in Show, the Christopher Guest film from 2000. Amy, tell us a little bit about why you recommended this film and why you thought we should talk about it. Well, um, I have always loved this movie, uh, so mm, yeah. it's kind of always on my radar. When I'm kind of just in the mood to watch something I know very well and be amused, it goes in the yeah. DVD player. Um, mm-hmm. But I also love, uh, I am an improviser. Mm-hmm. With Andrew. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, it is, is true. how we know each other. And I, I love that it's a primarily improvised movie. To my knowledge, it's storyboarded and then improvised within that. Mm-hmm. that yeah, there's some kind of a framework. Yeah. Because cause there's, there, how could there not be? I mean, there's... Oh, yeah, it would be impossible, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's what draws me to this movie, I think. And plus, you guys don't do as many comedies as I'd like. So, you know. Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, but it's, it's hard to find. I don't know. Comedies are hard. There's a lot we're going to discuss and work with with great films. Great, great, great. Uh, well, I was very happy to, to see this as a suggestion because it's actually been many, many years since I've watched this. Yeah. Uh, Probably 14. Uh, not, no, not quite. <laughs> I, I watched it a couple of times after I bought it on uh, DVD. Uh, but I had I probably hadn't haven't watched it in 
eight or ten years. Yeah, it's been fourteen. Oh, that would for, be realistic for me. It's been fourteen actually so. since the original release. Yeah, I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since, huh? except for this. Well, I'll give people a, a rough idea of what the the plot of the film is, um, but it won't take me very long uh, because, <laughs> uh, as you said, it's it's a primarily an improvised film. The the interactions, the content of the scenes are left up to the actors to improvise. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is is essentially a mockumentary style film where uh, the characters spend a great deal of time addressing the camera as though they are being interviewed for a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of the characters in this film are in some way related to the dog show that is that is happening mm-hmm. um, in Philly. Um, and it is... A very the Mayflower, Mayflower dog show, I should say the May, Mayflower Kennel Club dog show mm-hmm. uh, is the full title of it. Now, now everyone uh, will know what you're talking about. Now everyone will know about this fictional dog show. Uh, <laughs> the so so uh, it basically just follows a diverse cast of characters, each of whom has a dog in the running for, as you might guess, best in show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of follows them as they prepare for the dog show, as they arrive at the dog show, as they compete in the dog show, and then in the aftermath of the dog show. And uh, each of them have fantastically varied and unique personalities, and uh, as do their dogs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's not a whole lot more to say about the plot of it, because you kind of have to watch it unfold. but this, if there ever was a movie that was centered around performance, uh, this would be it. Yeah. <laughs> this or really any of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, but uh, but this is certainly uh, a showcase for each of these mm-hmm. actors, comedians, improvisers yeah. to just go hog wild. <laughs> Yeah, but I still feel like it's a it's a tight film. It's it's only ninety minutes, and the scenes they kind of they get to the point and then they move on. And mm-hmm. and while yeah. a lot of it is is improvised, I'm sure um, it's just so focused. It's just really concise, and they sort of each scene kind of gets to the, the the message that's that it's trying to convey, and then boom, you know, it's 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 off to the next one, and it's just it really almost flows as if it was purely scripted i mean that's the impression i got but I, yeah. but i know that that a lot of sort of freedom was had by all and under the uh the auspices of christopher guest yeah and i think that it speaks to how good those performance performances are as andrew was saying because as an improviser i feel like i just know how wrong that could go like taped improv <laughs> if you've ever seen taped improv like just from a live performance, it's the weakest thing you'll ever watch. Even if it's pretty dynamic in the room, it's just really, it's it's hard. hard. It's hard to translate that. So Mm -hmm. just, they know their character so well. They're so over the top, as I think you have to be to elicit the kind of response that you want out of your audience. You know, I actually, I feel like I should speak up because I have a, background in taped improv what actually. um yeah in, in taped improv. <laughs> in, in taped improv i don't know what that means well allow me to tell you um, anyone whose I, line is it anyway <laughs> no no but i believe i may have mentioned this in a previous episode but i was i tried 
multiple times to get into the improv club in my high school and I never got in. So, but because I was the the film nerd and the guy who wanted to be a filmmaker and was always videotaping stuff, I actually got drafted to videotape a lot of the improv shows that my buddies were doing in, you know, local venues and I think that where taped improv fails is when you've got somebody just doing the old static camera technique where they, they, they lock their camera on a tripod, they get a wide shot, and they just let it run, and they have no sort of emotional investment in what happens. So when I was doing the taped improv, I, would be, I had the camera like on my shoulder, I was panning, I was tilting, I was zooming, and like I feel like the, a lot of the camera work in Best in Show is handheld. I mean, if not all of it is handheld, and that kind of keeps things lively, uh, whether whether you're documenting improv or just standard acting. I think that right. Christopher yeah. Christopher Guest is a comedian, but he has enough cinematic sense as to how to tell a story. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, and as you said, it, this is I mean, this is very tightly sort of constructed, but they are. It is clear that the they're doing a multi-camera setup and they're. Mm-hmm you know, letting the cameras run and capturing it from different angles so that they can have that sort of dynamism that you're lacking if you're filming a, 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 a static, you know, a, yeah. a, a theater, a theatrical piece, not just in terms of improv, but even if you watch recordings of theater, sure. oh yeah, it, it never feels no. right. You mm-hmm. know, it never feels as dynamic as it does if you're actually in the room. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that, uh, that speaks to, the to it not feeling like it's improv it's completely natural it it just kind of flows and i would say that this film is a brilliant parody of a documentary in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and also very (laughs) sort of um uh it it kind of it, it foretells the future of documentaries and reality tv way back in 2000 yeah oh yeah where you've got you you follow seven or I don't know how exactly how many people there are maybe six or seven different you know people with their dog and you know they come from wildly diverse backgrounds wildly different areas of the country and you never know who's actually going to be the one to actually take home the prize uh-huh. but that's part of what documentaries do is they 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 follow multiple people and if this was a real documentary there would be some people who wouldn't have even made it in the film that they followed Right, because they're constructing this, you know, this type of story, which is now so ubiquitous on reality TV. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I guess 2000 was that was what the same year that Survivor. Yes, it was actually launched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I remember that launching around <laughs> that. I remember it being like, "Oh, Big this deal. is heralding something terrifying." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but uh, I i mean, I guess the key thing probably to talk about in this movie are the performances yeah. and the performers themselves. Uh, this this was a movie that I think really sort of put a lot of uh, performers, either put a lot of performers on the map or allowed people to kind of return to uh, people that they had sort of known for a long time, but who had maybe been kind of yeah. uh, lingering in the you know, doing a lot of character work, doing a lot of background work, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would say between this and maybe 
American Pie, Eugene Levy became <laughs> somewhat of a superstar for the first, you know, five or seven years of, of the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Um, was he an SCTV guy? He yes. was on SCTV, yeah. as was Catherine O'Hara. Right, yeah. right. Um, and a ton of other right. brilliant people. Right. Martin, Martin Short, Short yeah. John Candy, yeah. and yeah, all kinds of great. Rick Moranis. Joe Flaherty. Joe Flaherty, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, and then... Uh, but uh, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Please, by all means, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Catherine O'Hara uh, is spectacular so in this film. Uh, really, really great. Um, but... I'm going to call out one particular performer Ooh. because it also happens to coincide with my favorite moment in this movie, which uh, which it, I had forgotten about, actually. I want to guess. I, I almost think I know. Okay, guess. Fred Willard? Guess. No. no? Okay. But, but Fred Willard there. is genius in this. Uh, absolutely genius. But uh, it is... A very small part. It's it's a cameo almost. By Larry Miller yes. <laughs> plays so an old flame of Catherine O'Hara's. Yeah. For, well, every, a lot of people play old flames of Catherine O'Hara's. Which is a this. great running gag, which I wonder if that's a thing that came up once and they were like, let's just throw that in with yeah. every guy everywhere. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, uh, but Larry Miller is, uh, they go to visit, Eugene Levy and, and Catherine O'Hara are married and they go to visit... Uh, and they have their little uh, uh, terrier uh, that they're having compete in the competition. And on Winky, and on the way to the competition, they stop at this this couple's house. And uh, and Larry Miller and Catherine O'Hara clearly have this sort of abiding passion for each other from you know X number of years ago. Mm-hmm. But Larry Miller, <laughs> his line of work is uh, talking people down. <laughs> From jumping off of ledges, and <laughs> the the contrivance of the scene, uh, their son, their sort of weird little son, uh, sort of goes out in the backyard with the terrier and gets on the roof of the shed, and <laughs> Larry Miller comes out and he's just he's like everybody's everybody's yelling at him and he's like come down come down from there bring our dog down and he comes out and he goes I got this I- I'm a professional. <laughs> and the, First thing he says is, I will gouge your eye out with my thumb, you freak. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that should be, uh, that was preceded by him saying, uh, here's the secret to the business. They always jump. You're just the last guy you want doing that job. <laughs> Oh, it's so brilliant. Yeah, so oh, good. and I and I had honestly completely forgotten about it. And as soon as that scene started, I was like, oh, my God, yes, this yes. again. The whole scene, even when they're at the dinner table before that, oh. and he's just talking about something disgusting and terrible once again yeah, in his yeah. line of work. And they're just, ugh, it's delightful. I oh, also so like um, that Eugene Levy tells his wife, who I don't remember who plays her, um, that she has luscious melon breasts <laughs> and <laughs> because that he knows, in the screening obviously. that follows that like she she's she's like thank, thank you. you thank you <laughs> and then she starts pushing her chest out a little like she's very happy and, and flattered it's, it's, it's a weird sort great. of competition between the two sets of people it's like clearly right not a, a really lame way to kind of counteract larry miller's like sexual oh, yeah. aggression you, you guys are kind of 
uh, touching on something that I that I noticed this time after not seeing the film for 14 years. This movie is almost like a microcosm of what it means to be American, or or what uh, or what what sort of different people make up our country. Sure. Um, oh yeah. The only thing that's missing are like the younger like frat boy demographic. But you know, you're looking at you have a gay couple, you have sort of like this a couple gay couples. Yeah, a couple gay couples. You have yeah. like the the North Carolinian, you know, Southern man. The you've swans. got, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you've got like you know this kind of nerdy, sort of nebbishy middle aged couple. Yes. Um, and their braces. I mean, even even down to the the bit parts, like the people that you meet in this film who are kind of like the minor characters. Like it just sort of seems like the way the way everybody kind of crowds around outside and wave goodbye when you're when they're getting in their van and driving off like it all just seems to be so like intricately designed to to sort of lampoon what it means to be an american to be fascinated with dogs uh which is a very american pastime uh it's just it struck me as being like very sort of intelligently and and cleverly sort of devised and and then and that's kind of like the framework on which they hang all these hilarious performances and, and funny bits and it just seems like a really like, really super intelligent film on the second yeah. viewing yeah um, yeah i think it's unquestionable i mean i i think that all of these actors are not just actors but incredibly smart people i mean you could yeah they wouldn't be able to do what they're doing in these films and of course, the the Christopher Guest film that preceded this was Waiting for Guffman, which is my favorite of oh yeah his films. I think it's just it's one of the most brilliant things ever created. It is great. For me. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is yeah, this is you know of the same caliber, and it is uh, it's so smartly done. And maybe we should talk a little bit about sort of the 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 process, right? Mm-hmm. The process is, as I've always understood it. And this dates all the way back to Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. which uh, Christopher Guest and Michael McKean and, you know, uh, a bunch of Harry Shearer and mm-hmm. all those guys uh, made together way back in uh, the 80s. 84 is when that came out. 84. That's right. Uh, with Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Um, they essentially set up the framework for a scene within mm-hmm. the context of a loose plot. They set up the framework for a scene and they say, well, this is what you need to get out of this scene. Go. Yeah. And they sort of turn the actors loose and let them just figure out how to say or do what they need to say or do. And that's, I mean, I can only imagine what the, what a blooper reel from one of these movies would look like because I, like I well, it has to follow on one side of the spectrum or the other. Yeah. Either these guys are so good and so professional that they never crack, yeah, which would be amazing, but I don't think is humanly possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or on the other side of it, uh, you know, they they crack a lot, and then we see the stuff that gets through. You know, sure. well, um, I also think that they know how to sort of leverage a moment of of total absurdity that would make anybody crack up and die of laughter and then turn it into like a, an integral part of the scene. Like, yeah. I feel like there's, there's moments between um, the couple in the beginning of Parker Posey and then, um, is it John Michael Higgins? Is that who uh, plays that's her? Michael Hitchcock. Michael Hitchcock. Michael Hitchcock. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and they're talking about how they met and it almost seems like it's entirely 
like extemporaneous with the, the discussion they're having because yeah. it's like, oh yeah, I met you. Yeah, you were at that Starbucks. I was at Starbucks too. Oh, it was the Starbucks, Starbucks right across, across the street. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But then yeah, then there was that time that I decided I was going to the other Starbucks to see you, and then you had gone to the other Starbucks too, so we didn't see each other. And it's like, it's just so. It almost seems like it's just happening like water. Like it's just mm-hmm. and. And at, at any moment, like I, you can, you can expect that somebody would crack a smile, but they don't. They keep it so, so straight, and it's so good. And I really, this has got to be like one of the best films ever, I would think. Yeah, yeah. And similarly, the scene, I, I remember reading something about the scene with the busy bee when Parker Posey goes to buy a busy bee from the pet store right. owner, and how. They they were essentially given no direction. They just told Parker Posey, "You need to get a busy bee," and that the rest of that scene, as I understand it, was completely improvised so by funny. both the shop owner and Parker Posey. The shop owner, so like whatever, like he's yeah, just, yeah, he could not care less. Which I think it's such a great contrast to how much she's freaking out. Yeah, yeah, and I think that. If her instructions were to get a busy bee at any cost, I could see that the shop owner's instructions were to get her to buy something. Yes. Anything. Right. Instead, if not a busy bee, then whatever you could possibly give her. Yeah. 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 The most bee-like thing that you can find. <laughs> yeah. And it's really right. makes she... sense. It's like, it's the same color. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's striped like a bee. Yeah, like a dog isn't going to know the difference. And then, yeah. And then, like, and then she's she ends up getting something, and he's like, "But that's the least busy bee like thing that we have." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there are another uh, couple of performances that I've been dying to mention. Uh, oh, yeah. This I don't know about you guys, but it was the first time I had ever seen Jennifer Coolidge and Jane Lynch in anything. Yes. And mm-hmm. those are not yes. people that were known for their improv or like sketch comedy skills, like say Catherine O'Hara or. Eugene Levy. So I was, I remember just being blown away by those two. Um, Bill, at the top of the podcast, you started to reference one of my favorite lines um, (laughs) when she says, We could talk or not talk for hours and still find things to not talk about. Yes. And that's, that is another example of what I was saying about the whole like microcosm of America. You know, Jennifer Coolidge is like the the Anna Nicole Smith figure who marries yeah. this, you know, dying, maybe not dying, that's maybe a bit harsh. Very old. But a very elderly man who... Who doesn't not, seem to be able to speak. Less. Right, but, but you can just assume that he has oodles of money, and that's why they're together, you know? And then yeah. and then she ends up discovering herself, which I won't spoil for uh, viewers of the film. Right. Although, Indeed. right before she discovers herself, her shoveling handfuls of popcorn into her mouth is hilarious to me. Yeah. It's, like, pretty great, great visual. But, um... Which once again speaks to Jennifer Coolidge and how just like naturally hilarious she is to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's so uh so funny. Just the little. Also, tiny little part that I didn't notice in this the first few times that I saw it, but I noticed this time. Will Sasso is in this yes, movie. Yes, I noticed that when I was, I you know it didn't hit me when I watched it again because I don't know him as yeah. well. But I remember I've seen like his vines and whatnot. Which are brilliant. I know. And I, but, but I won't, I can't say that I follow him per se, but I'm familiar with him. And I yeah. noticed when I was looking at a rundown of the cast, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was great. one of the, the guys at the fishing hole where uh, oh, yeah. Christopher Guest's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, character comes from. One is like, hey, don't forget about the tape. 
That guy? Yeah. 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 No, he's, he's the one who says, bring back a big fish. Like, you're going to catch a big fish, even though he's like, I'm not going fishing. <laughs> he's going to Philadelphia. Uh, I'm, I'm going, going to Philadelphia. Yeah. I think he, uh, But they don't have lakes in Philadelphia. <laughs> his background is the funniest to me because it's clearly, like, the people who know nothing about this world. And, yeah. like, he just happens to have a dog that fits the breed perfectly and like why not take it to a show which i i wonder the types of people that do dog shows don't seem like the type of people that would have a bloodhound so i wonder like in the real dog show world like what this microcosm of people is like you know yeah 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 because i could see that happening just some guy who just kind of fell into it by having a a perfect a perfect hound indeed I'm sure it's happened before. I wonder what do dog lovers and and people who participate in actual dog shows think of this film? I don't know. If I had to guess, they probably love it. Probably. In the same way that people who do community theater love Waiting for Guffman. Or like pageants. Folk folk musicians. Yeah, love... uh, A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind, yeah. And and, uh, Hollywood celebrities like for your considerization consideration although that is that is the least of these films by far to be honest i haven't even seen it but it's a disappointment (laughs) it is it's maybe a better thing would be uh heavy metal artists like spinal town right sure that way although some of them really hated it because they thought that it was too much of a i think it was eddie van halen or somebody it was like really angry they're angry at everything (laughs) because he was like this isn't funny (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this joke. Maybe it hit a little bit too close to home for Eddie. I think that's what it I was. I think the only person that could be offended by this movie are the uh, broadcasters. Because if you are anything like Fred Willard's character, you're probably too dumb uh, to notice that you're being made fun of. That's but true. I think yeah. that's probably the only one where you're like, oh, this isn't funny to me. But it's mm. perfect. It's like, Well, it's that's another one of those things where, Phil, you were saying that this is almost like a send up of documentaries huh. in general. I feel like Fred Willard within that framework is doing a send up of color commentary yes. in the most brilliant way possible. Yeah. And it was also a masterstroke to have kind of a sort of staid uppity British man as his co-host, you know, oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. just, it's the, it's a classic comedic move. You know, you have the straight man and then the, the crazy guy and, it, it like it must have been a joy to edit those scenes because like okay what are we gonna what are we gonna show next let's cut back to Fred Willard he's doing something funny like they have this unending amount yeah. of Fred Willard footage to draw from from but yeah he was also very good in it and speaking of documentaries I don't know if you guys have seen this film but Andrew you might be interested because it is coming out on Criterion in the coming months it's a documentary called Gates of Heaven oh yeah 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 have you seen it. Yeah, of course. Well, it's I an Errol Morris documentary. I've seen all of his work. It is. It's actually my least favorite of his films of what I've seen. But I think it's a wonderful companion piece to this movie. I think yeah. I think watching Gates of Heaven and then watching this is like a great double feature. And and for those who don't know, Gates of Heaven is a documentary that was made in... 78. 78. Yeah. About a pet cemetery. Pet? And the people who are running and or using the pets. Yeah, and they talk about how much they love their pets. And they have these really somber, fearful interviews. And this, in a way, is 
has some similarities, but then it's also kind of like the, the flip side of the coin where people are celebrating their pets in, yes. in a very absurd way. Yeah, and in Gates of Heaven, uh, that was the film that uh, forced Werner Herzog to eat his shoe. Yep, that's right. And he, <laughs> he did it willingly. He did it. He, he did, and there's a great documentary called Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe. Is there really? That's, that's going to that's be, be on the DVD. Werner Herzog and, uh, and Errol Morris had a bet. Werner Herzog bet him that he couldn't make a movie out of this concept mm-hmm. for Gates of Heaven. And Errol Morris did it. And I would just er- love to be a fly on the wall during that conversation. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you can actually watch him cook and eat his shoe. He cooks it at Chez Panisse in Berkeley, which is a really fancy restaurant. Yes, I know it. And, I know where it is, yeah. Yeah, and then he, he actually he, – they don't show him eating the whole thing, but they show him tearing off, like, strips of the shoe and, and eating it and chewing on it. Well, if anyone would yeah. do that, it would be Werner Herzog. He's a wild man. It's true. He's a wild man. All right, well uh, – Thank you so much, Amy, for suggesting Best in Show. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's uh, easily one of the best comedies of the last 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just brilliant. If you want to just – if you want a case study in how to improvise well, this is it. You know, These guys are at the top of their form. Between this uh, – really honestly, between this and Waiting for Guffman, I don't think that it gets much better. Mm. Uh, and maybe you could probably throw Spinal Tap in there as well. Um, but it, it's really, it's a unique thing that nobody else does like these guys do it. Nobody else does it as well. I don't think anyone will just, ever, really. Yeah, I don't see how they could. It's yeah, and it's so the, unique. This type of, of humor that they do is really like gentle too, you know? It's almost, yeah. it's almost like Prairie Home Companion tier gentleness. But, yeah, but, it's very benign. Yeah, but so it's the kind of thing that really anybody could find something wonderful to laugh about. Yeah. In fact, I, I think that some people, it, if you're not told that this is a comedy going in, might not know <laughs> Caught in some way. Yeah. You know? yeah, because it, it's presented so straight. You yeah. know? It's presented so matter-of-factly that it, doesn't, it, it might not read as a comedy to some mm-hmm. people, um, which is part of the brilliance of it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, recommend it wholeheartedly. Uh, I presume that Amy does. I do. What if I was like, you know, I rewatched it. I changed my mind. <laughs> Bad idea. No, I think it's great. And it's like I said before, I I throw it on every now and then when I just want to watch something familiar and that I know will delight me every time. Mm. And that, yeah. that does the trick. And it's it's uh, also just a really good real. <laughs> Just perfect. It's perfect in a lot of ways. Like the <laughs> comedic performances are so, so on point. And sometimes when you're watching really like average or below average uh, sketch performances or comedic yes. performances that are out there nowadays with everyone making their own crap, some of which is great, some of which is very subpar. It just puts you puts you in a in a better headspace. Yep. 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 Cool. Yeah, I I, I also recommend it. Uh, I think you, you guys have you guys have said it well. Um, I think it's it's a brilliant film uh, parody of a of a documentary. But beyond that, it does just sort of play as something that that is instantly recognizable to anybody these days who's ever watched reality TV. And I think that they can get it and they can appreciate it. And it's just really well done. Agreed. Agreed. So thanks again, Amy. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. 
And uh, hopefully we'll see some more recommendations coming from you in the future. Oh, yeah. definitely. And we can have you back Great. on. Uh, in the meantime, uh, listeners, you can join us for our next podcast when we will be talking about Force Majeure. Ooh. 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 A new release. Uh, so please join us for that. And we will see you next time.